Welcome to the dive table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me, as always, is new Malaysian resident, expat, now living in Penang, Malaysia, Mr. Nicholas Hogel. Nick, how are you doing today? I am doing good. It is my evening, and I'm just winding down the day, enjoying this nice Malaysian sunset. So uh, I'm ready to kick it off. Well, it's bright and early here in Texas, <laughs> and I won't, I'll be honest. I listen to we're, we're getting a little rain. Yeah, uh, apparently it has no effect on the lake levels. They just That's continue to drop. That's but uh, but yeah, we're getting some rain, which is nice, and it's cooling off. It's it's pretty sad though when you look at the you know, the temperature and you go, Oh, you know, 97, that's not so bad. We could actually get some things done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was that, that's back the there, stage we're in right now. Yeah. It was still at, in the hundreds when I left there, man, that was, that was a pretty brutal way to leave. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was, it was hot. It's definitely hot. So 97 is a lot better than 103. That's for sure. It's true. It's true that that difference between hitting the triple digit and then, being under that threshold, under that hundred threshold, there maybe it's just a mental difference. I don't know if it actually, you know, you feel different, but for whatever reason, you're like, I can, I can live in ninety nine. I can't <laughs> live in a hundred. You know, <laughs> like, I don't you know guys, what the difference is. You guys are gonna start putting sweaters on at like eighty five. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's actually, I saw a kid yesterday. I was picking my kids up from school. And it was 92 degrees when I was picking him up from school because I looked at the truck. It was 92. And I saw a kid in a full-on hoodie, and I was like, no way, dude. <laughs> like, it's, no it way. happens. Like, you know what was crazy is uh, I remember one time I flew into Oregon from Texas, and uh, we were getting off the plane, and one of those planes where you actually exit outside is a smaller airport, so you exit outside and then walk into the airport and – the uh, the stewardess was like, oh, you know, everybody, it's a hot one today. Yada yada. It was like eighty five, and I just left. Tech. I'm like, dude, this is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, this is nice. What are you talking about? Like, this is perfect <laughs> right now. Eighty five. Give me a break. But I mean, you know, you get used to you get used to your surroundings. Yeah, you do. You acclimate. I mean, I remember the first summer we were here. I was just like full of regret. Like, what did we do? Because it just never stops being hot yeah. until. It's like someone, you know, flips a switch right around Halloween, right <laughs> around that time period, the week before, week after, right in that spot. It's like a, a switch gets flipped and all of a sudden you go from like hot and you see in our neighborhood, at least you see everybody kind of come outside with this look of wonderment. Like it's finally over. Like we, we've, we've survived the oppressive, you know, <laughs> occupying, occupying force of heat. For uh, the last six, seven months, and now like we can breathe, and then you get like a month or so of just beautiful, wonderful weather. Everyone's riding their bikes around, cruising around, you know, outside. And then at least the last three winters, it's gotten so cold it snowed. So it's like oh yeah, going downhill. Yeah. So no. you know, and even in the summertime too, it's like you, it'll be ninety eight during the day, ninety five, ninety eight, and then at night it's like. 89 <laughs> yeah no so, relief it's like yeah, you no can't relief. even escape it it's like it's still hot <laughs> so so again we're we've talked about weather for now for like <laughs> three minutes and people are gonna get mad that we're not talking about scuba but how can i relate this to scuba 
I guess the best way to relate, relate to scuba, here's a little tip or trick if you live in somewhere or you live somewhere where it's hot. Because uh, for all of our Texas listeners out there, you know what we're talking about. Texas heat's just different and it's long lasting. One of the tricks I picked up in the heat, and I actually picked this up in Mexico, I think we both did, was once you suit up, so wherever dive site you're at, once you suit up. So for me, I, I dive a dry suit, um, you know, 99% of the time, um, you know, very rarely am I in a, in a wetsuit. But once you put that suit on, if you can, go down to the water right away. Go down to the water, get the suit wet, get your head wet, you know, cool off for as long as it takes, you know, go under a little bit safely uh, and, you know, just in your suit, no other gear before you set anything else up, before you you do anything else, get cooled off. And I love the phrase like a hot brain is a rush brain. And that means you're going to forget things and you're going to, you know, rush to the water and, you know, all that stuff, your heart rate's going to be up, all those things. And so uh, I love that, that tip. Uh, and I've, borrowed it, stole it, and and made it a Texas thing that, that we do as a team. We go down and try to cool off as soon as we put on a suit. Now, it's gotten a little harder because we've got, you know, three flights of stairs to climb <laughs> and, a, and a thing to jump off of now before we can even get to the water because the lake level is so low. But uh, when we can, that's a really, really nice tip for those that are yeah, in Yeah, I was wondering – I was wondering about the the walk up because it's like, man, you might get overheated just on the walk back up. <laughs> oh yeah, um, actually, there was a guy the other day who, um, you know, he's a he's a DIR diver here that we know, and um, he was in back mountain doubles walking up the stairs and tore his ACL. Uh, so it's getting it's getting bad. Yeah, it's getting getting a little rough to to dive the local spots right now because the water's so low which means the water axis because, you know, it's sheer cliff along the yeah. sides is is tougher and tougher and tougher. And you got to climb, you know, a straight vertical ladder to a little platform. Then you got to climb like I think it's three and a half flights of stairs just to get up. And if you're doing that in back mounted doubles after a two-hour dive, you know, that was a challenging dive. That That's a, that's a workout, man. And then you got to yeah. walk from – once you get to the stairs, you got to walk from there all the way to wherever you're staging – location was which you're trying to get in the shade so it's another you know 50 yards 100 yards from there just to get to to your back to where you're going to take your gear off so someone uh in the team has to get a little papa shade <laughs> so you just be <laughs> right in front of the stairs uh have you um uh well two questions just because i haven't been there in a while uh so you guys are jumping off because i'm assuming platform three is the only platform to go off of yeah, so we're we're having to giant stride off the platform into the water. How uh, how far can, is that? Well, last time, let's see, it was about a three three to five foot drop, something like that. Oh wow, wow! So it's it's uh, it's it's no joke. It's not like the water's right at the edge and you just kind of slide in, like put all your gear on and it's like jumping off a boat. You know, yeah, like, yeah. hold your mask and go. Um, you know, it's, for classes, it's, then they can actually teach the giant stride <laughs> as opposed to just walking in the, the stairs. So do it, does, does, and then when you get out, do you just access the stairs that are right next to the, the little wooden, uh, the little wooden handrail, like the rock stairs? Is that how you get out? So I've been getting out at one, which has a vertical ladder, metal oh. ladder attached to it. 
Been and so you just have to climb vertically with doubles. Yeah, it's. I I bought a pulley system um, recently. <laughs> I just arrived last week, and I'm going to see if I can figure out how to rig where you can take your gear off in the water and just pull and then up. clip it, and then basically climb up the ladder yourself, and then pull pull your gear. You know, kind of like what they do in in Mexico when we go down in the cenotes. See if I can't rig one of those up so it you know yeah. we don't kill ourselves. But it, it's getting to the place where it's almost undivable. Like you're, you're almost it's almost too much with at least doubles. You might be able to do you know back mount singles just fine. But if you get you in a set of doubles, it's almost a a safety kind of concern at this point yeah. because walking up three flights of stairs with a set of doubles on is is a oh it's no joke is a thing. Luckily, yeah. no one's fell. But we had our first injury with the ACL injury, so not um, a good thing. No, uh, no dives going on at Mansfield. Have you checked that out? Mansfield's still a crazy. I mean, it's a little bit better walk because it's not it's straight s- stairs. Shallower grade, yeah. But once you get to where the pavement ends, then it's really difficult again because you're going over rocky, you know, terrain, uneven terrain all the way down to the water, and it's quite a quite a walk from there all the way or from uh, where the concrete ends all the way to the water's edge. So again, in a set of doubles, one slip eh, yeah. is going to hurt because it's you rocky, guys, you know, sharp rocks. You guys got to uh, go out there with some shovels and picks and just kind of create a path, you know, so that way it's a little bit, make it a weekend project here with the cooling weather. There you go. No, yeah. screw that. We we know people with uh with big tractors. We'll just there you go. Just there float you go. a tractor somehow. Or a bunch of even lift bags. better, you guys all pitch <laughs> in and just get yourselves a big pontoon boat. <laughs> yeah, there we go. You just yeah. meet at no, the dock. No, it's almost to that up. place of just diving off my boat at this point. Like, and even that, you the, the access point. So, anyways, we're we're complaining, but the 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 lake level should, from all the old timers I've talked to, and you know, they all say. This is normal. Just wait. We're going to have some sort of rain event soon. And then it's going to fill it completely back up and it'll be full for, you know, the next three years and then slowly drop down. And this is a cycle thing. So hopefully that's true. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Cause I know. So when I first moved to Texas, I don't know. Some of the old timers could probably tell you. Maybe you could chat with Mike or it's just someone that's been around there for a little bit. Um, but they had like, I think it was like a historic drought where like Lake Travis was at an all time low for a very long time. And then while I was there, they had a crazy rainstorm. It did fill all the way up. Um, it was before I started diving there. And then, uh, I was just actually talking to Daniel a little bit ago and I was telling him in 2018, is either 2018 or 2019, the last big flood that we had. Uh, the water came up, it was like 20 or 25 feet in one day. Um, I actually have some pictures of when that happened because I was working on the docks and it was crazy because we used to park our car, you know, closer and closer to the water because, you know, you park your car and then you go out on the lake all day work and then you come back, you don't want to have to hike. And uh, people were basically like their cars were starting to be right at the water level because it rose so much. Um, so it's crazy cause it's, I, I hope it does come up, but it definitely causes a lot of damage when it comes up that fast for all the docks in Lake Travis. 
Yeah, but yeah, we'll that's see. that's low. I don't think I've ever been diving in Travis when it's been that low. So um, definitely not envious. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's a it's a good uh, it's a good you know it's a good learning or you know when the water does come up you'll cherish those moments. <laughs> Well, good. Well, that leads us kind of to the topic for day, today, which is not weather and lake level, although those are, are really good talking points. But when the lake is this low and it's been this hot and it's tough to to kind of go diving, you still want to do scuba. <laughs> you still like have it on the brain if you're like me at least. And so we wanted to kind of talk about in this episode the tools of the trade. So these are really not the the diving tools, but this is working on your gear tools. So for me, I've spent the last couple of weeks finally kind of finishing up my garage workshop for, you know, all everything scuba. And I thought it would be fun to talk about in this episode, you know, what are those essential tools? We're, we're talking actual hand tools, not, you know, your, your harness or, you know, a D-ring where it's placed, those sorts of things. But the actual tools you use to work on your gear um, at home in preparation for a dive or a dive trip or something like that. And so you've had a lot of experience in that side of scuba. I've had some experience there in the gear side. We both have our kind of tricks of the trade of things that we do uh, when we're maintaining, maintaining our gear or helping others do that. Just a little note of caution and, and a caveat here. This is not a setting up a professional scuba workshop, right? Like where you're you're gonna you know do a thousand regs, uh, you know, servicing a year or something like that. This is a home based, you know, my my scuba little scuba shop in the garage or in you know a corner of my office or whatever. It is. What what do you set up? You know, how do you use it? What are the key things that you should invest in? What are the things that, you know, maybe you you don't need to spend money on? And so I thought that would be a fun episode because that's been on my brain for the last couple of weeks. Well, it's always on my brain because I'm always in the shop tinkering with something. But, you know, what what's on my brain? So you, are you up for uh, for talking about that today? Let's dive right in. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat. At the dive table with your hosts Nick Hogel and Jay Gardner. So Nick, I've spent the last three weeks, four weeks or so, redoing my garage workshop, going from a little, uh, you know, two foot by four foot table corner in the in the garage to basically overtaking the garage for my <laughs> scuba workshop. Uh, you know, and, and it's something I've been planning for a while and I was planning on doing once it cooled off a little bit here in Texas, but I just went for it, uh, because, you know, I couldn't go diving. Uh, you know, we were sick and my kids had got COVID and I was worried I was sick. I'd tested negative uh, the whole time, but you know, if there's any risk that you might have COVID, the smart thing to do is to not go diving, especially if you're coughing or a little congested or anything like that. So I couldn't go diving for a couple of weeks. And so I had to put all that energy into something. And so I put it into my workshop. And so today we're going to really tackle the essential tools of, of scuba. But before we do, I think it would be good to kind of talk a little bit about, for me, I, my experience here is 
obviously working on my own gear. So I have a bunch of gear that I rig up, uh, you know, that I, that I put together kits. I also work on my own tanks and friends tanks. So I'm certified to do so and, and valves and things like that. Uh, and, and do, and I'm, I'm learning and hopefully we'll, we'll soon become fully certified in servicing regulators. So, um, those are the things that I'm focused on. I don't do major scuba repair. If something, you know, is really broken, it needs to get shipped back to a manufacturer, a proper repair shop. Um, the other thing that I do is I, as I teach, so I actually help people transition from, you know, whatever they're in at the moment to a more DIR setup, which is typically, you know, back plate and a wing and, the placement of, of where we put things on the harness and why and, and how we do those things. And so there are people that come over and the team that come over um, sometimes to work on their gear. So that's kind of the use case for me. But a lot of it is is me tinkering in my garage, working on my own gear or team members or students coming in and working on their gear, fixing something or, or configuring something in the right way. And all of this is not rebreather. So I'm not working on any rebreathers or electronics or anything like that under the water. All of it has been, you know, back mounted singles, double side mount, those sorts of things. So just a caveat of where I'm coming from. And I think it'd be good to talk about kind of your experience in this side of scuba, the, the maintenance shop side of scuba, uh, so that people have a reference for where we're coming from in terms of these recommendations or, or things that we do around tools. Yeah, so my my background, um, obviously, I think some of you know I've worked in a scuba shop. So obviously, there's a little service repair center in there, and uh, same thing. We would we would uh, in the shop, not myself, but they would service certain regulators. Usually, anything that they would sell, they would be able to service. So there's a little tool room. We had a gentleman in there that uh, would do a lot of the tool stuff, and then a couple of the staff members. And even uh, an, not, not an outside source, but uh, some instructors that, you know, would go to DEMA and, you know, get their certifications. Or I think these days you could even do some stuff online. Uh, so that was always nice to have that shop and access to those tools. And then uh, probably the last, I don't know, eight to nine months that I was in Texas, maybe even a year, maybe. Um, I was working at a shop where it was a hydrostatic uh, testing shop. So we would do hydrostatic testing. We would do visual inspections. We would do valve repairs. Um, I believe they just got into, uh, regulator maintenance. I'm not a hundred percent positive. Um, I need to find out actually. Uh, but yeah, so it was nice to be around that shop. Um, you know, servicing, we were helping out the, the three local shops in Austin, which was really nice just because it's always nice to to work with the shops, you know, there's that little bit of competition that goes around, but when you kind of find that little niche where they not necessarily need you, but you know, it's kind of like you're working, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the different shops. So it was really cool just to kind of uh, integrate myself that way. And yeah, that's, it's, um, you know, just in my, my professional life, the things that I've done, it's workshops and just nice workshops with nice tools um, but I'll kind of go into that because I, I am a stickler for tools. Uh, but oddly enough, there's like a couple of exceptions that I have, uh, especially in the scuba industry, um, working on my own stuff, tinkering on my own stuff. But 
uh, that would be my background sort of everything. And once again, I am not a repair technician. Um, I was able to O2 clean. So, you know, breaking down valves, cleaning, not regulators, mostly valves, O2 cleaning tanks, things like that. And um, just it's it's such an amazing thing. Having the proper tool will make your job, make your life a hundred, if not a thousand times easier, just having that correct tool. Um, if any of you out there have ever changed your own oil or just any worked on your car, um, just having that right tool makes things go smoothly and fluidly, just super nice. But you know, when you're, when you have a, a hammer and a chisel and you're trying to do some, some fine tuned stuff, um, you know, I've, I've definitely had to get that, get it done mentality going on, but it's so much nicer when you have great tools. So this is going to be a fun topic just because, um, I feel like anybody that gets into scuba, um, you know, you, you just naturally start wanting to tinker with your own gear. Um, especially in the DIR world, you just naturally want to change things and do different things and, and just kind of, um, you know, I, I mean, definitely I found myself tinkering all the time. Like, Oh, what can I do to this? What can I do to that? Oh, I think this would be a little bit better. Oh, I don't like that. Let me change it back. Um, or you just change something 15 times just to, just to see what it would do. You know, So it's always kind of nice just to, to go and have a little area. So not necessarily, I mean, I guess you could call it, I don't want to call it a man cave cause there might be some woman cavers out there too, but a scuba cave, we'll call it, you know, your little scuba corner. Cave. Yeah. Yeah. Your little corner of, uh, your world where you can just go and, and lose yourself in, in the different scenarios or different, uh, things and tinkering, I guess. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the basics, which is a, a location. Like you're saying, where, where is your scuba cave? So my evolution when it came to my own personal scuba workshop, I mean, I literally started with a little handheld. I bought it from my, I think Home Depot or something like that, a, a case. And uh, I think, I don't really know how to describe the case. It's a small, it looks like a briefcase and it has different compartments in it. And that's where I'd put all my scuba stuff. And and things started to move from my toolbox in there, right? A few things moved in there from there. And and that was my my scuba workshop. I take that, you know, little kit out and I'd lay things on the ground in my garage and I'd work on them on the ground or whatever it was, or, or set up a little pop-up table. And I went from that to when I was just getting started in scuba went from that to I built myself a little two by four table out of, you know, plywood and a couple of two by fours, but a little table. And I bought, I think, a, a piece of pegboard that I <laughs> was a piece of white pegboard and I bought a can of red spray paint. And so I made myself a, a dive flag out of it. I just put blue tape on it. So, you know, there's a white stripe down the middle and, and spray painted it just for fun. And I had that and I could hang some things on there that I was using more often. So I had this little table, really kind of cramped table with all of my electronics and chargers and, you know, a little space to work on stuff um, to now I've, I finally have the, and that was just in the kind of a corner of a garage. And slowly as you get into scuba, scuba just needs more space. <laughs> you just acquire more stuff. So, you know, you start with a harness or you start with a, uh, a BCD and your regs and they can kind of be neatly tucked away somewhere in the garage to, you know, you have your first tanks to, you know, you got this and you got that. And now you have a dry suit and you have a wetsuit and you have the, 
It just takes up more space. And so it slowly kind of ate up the garage to the point where I'm at now, where I went and just decided, you know what, this, this for the most part, 80% of my garage is now dedicated to scuba. The rest of it can be storage and family stuff, bikes, whatever we need to put up. But the rest of it is now all scuba. And so I went out and I built literally a four foot by eight foot table um, that is really nice. I did it with a carpenter friend of mine. We, we did it out again, plywood and two by fours. We built shelving into it and storage spaces and everything like that. And I have that plus my two by four table at the end, which has now become kind of my ultrasonic cleaning and electronics area. And then everything else is all in tubs. I put, you know, wet carpet down, a carpet that can get wet without slipping and all that stuff. I've got you know, like 10 tanks in the corner, all these things, you know, a whole accessories corner where it's now become, this is dedicated to working on scuba and for my team and for, or for students to come over and work on their gear because I know I spend so much time in the garage. That's kind of how my space has evolved from a, from a little briefcase looking tool case to now, you know, you know, 80% of my garage is now dedicated to scuba. Um, so my, no, that's awesome. And the, and I don't know if any of you have seen the pictures, uh, but the pictures look absolutely amazing. It's always kind of see the, to see the evolution of that. Cause I think I remember, when you first did the pegboard with, you know, the thing and you were, you sent some pictures out. I was like, Oh, it's always nice to see that evolution from what it is, what it was then to what it is now. And it really does just grow. And, uh, it's so wild how quickly it can grow too, just because it's you, you talking about that right tool. You're like, Oh, I need that now. I need this. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where that's going to be a year from now, probably have full on compressors in there. With my, um, yeah, that's you know, the seeing temptation. Where, seeing where it goes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, the temptation um, of, of your own compressor is, is always nice. There's some, there's some uh, definitely good information out there. Uh, if, if you're ever considering contemplating getting your own compressor, but yeah, that's definitely uh, uh, takes a little workshop for sure. Um, my, my, so my evolution started a little bit differently. When I first got into scuba, I was in my house, I was living there by myself and it was a three bedroom house. And, um, I was able to, I, I basically converted a room into my scuba room. So, because that, you know, I had two extra bedrooms. So I was like, oh, whatever, this would be a perfect area. I remember when I first got together with my girlfriend, she's just like, you know, not a horrified look, but like, what is going on here? You know, most people, this is just this fun little hobby, you know, they'll pack it up on a little, you know, tote and put it in the garage or something. And then here I just have this like room of my, all my scuba gear just spread out. Um, <laughs> Did but, your scuba gear get to decide what color the walls were? Oh, 100%. <laughs> Luckily enough, it was already like a, a sky blue. So I felt like it was oh, nice. It was, uh, I think it was like a, a, a the sun's room of the people that lived in there before me, before I purchased the home. Um, and so it was, it was a good color and they, they had this, a couple of shelves in there already. So it was just nice to kind of store things and keep everything in its place. And, um, it, it really does become a fun thing to, to organize and put everything in its place. And, um, Oh, I need this, you know? Um, but these days I must say, and, and then luckily working in the shop, I kind of had use of the shop. I had use of, uh, my, my, 
friend's shop that I was working for, uh, CTX Hyperbaric Solutions. Uh, many of you probably know him pretty well. He's been on the podcast, Mike Galt. Um, now it's kind of evolved into something slightly different. Now I'm a little bit, you know, pressed for space. So here in Malaysia, um, so actually been pressed for space for quite a bit now. Um, I'm sure most of you have known in, you know, the early days of the podcast, we were actually recording um, in my RV because I was living in an RV for the better part of the last three years. So, you know, not a whole lot of space in there. So you got to kind of make do with what you have. Um, luckily, I was able to kind of find a corner in either my sister's house or my mother's house just to kind of keep things, which was really nice, um, but not the ideal situation. And now here, um, it's kind of facing new challenges of me building that little shop back up. And uh, before we moved out here, I was I was telling my girlfriend, I was like, hey, I'm definitely going to have a little corner of the house. <laughs> That's my <laughs> little, little scuba. Corner. Yeah, because even uh, when I moved out here, I, I was joking and I stayed pretty true to my word uh, where I was like, yeah, I'm fitting as much scuba gear in suitcases as I possibly can. And I'll buy clothes out there and I'll just kind of stuff some clothes here and there. And um, so I'm, I'm on currently I am. Uh, on my way to building my workshop again. And it's not going to be a full-blown workshop, um, you know, like Jay's, uh, but it'll be, you know, something good for me. And, and you know, I'll have my little desk where I can do things. Um, I generally, you know, I probably won't have the ultrasonic cleaner. You know, I'll just have some basic tools if I need to break down um, anything just super quick or kind of change gear configuration. Um, usually if it's anything, you know, regulator service or something like that, I'll just send it out to a professional, someone that knows what they're doing or, you know, a professional service technician, which I always recommend doing, um, just because, you know, that's kind of stuff you don't want to play with if you don't know what you're doing, but moving a, a, a D ring or, you know, changing a configuration, that's, you know, something you could easily do. In your spot. So I uh, will keep you updated on my um, scuba transition, but it's probably going to be in this little bit of a room. And oddly enough, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, so, you know, I'm, I might lose some listeners here, but I go back and forth. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Ikea. Um, they, they do have great ideas. I find Ikea to be a bit weird, but there's an Ikea right next to me. <laughs> and I've been, uh, I've been literally in the last, you know, three weeks, I've been to Ikea more times than in my whole life. Um, it's like a whole event when you go there, but they do have some really good ideas for organization and, you know, little quick things that you can put up little like things that you can work on. So, um, um, I'm, I'm going to fall down the Ikea rabbit hole just to kind of get some, some ideas and, and kind of build my workshop back up. Uh, so Stay tuned and I will definitely let you know how the the workspace evolves. Um, you'll probably talk to me in six months and my girlfriend had broken up with me because I took over the extra two rooms. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> all scuba. No, she's been with me this long. She knows what she got into. So. <laughs> so, we'll You're going to have to rent a second apartment for I you know, all your scuba gear. It's going to be like, your mistress's apartment. Go go work, go rent a workshop. You, you know, like, I, well, I talked about it before, you know, there's not a scuba scene here. I mean, I haven't found one yet. I haven't found, I don't want to say there's not one. I personally haven't found one. So maybe, maybe that's my job. Maybe uh, I need to open up a shop and, um, that could be my workshop and, uh, that, yeah. that would be quite a fun venture. We'll see. 
Yeah, just just on the side note there, that's that's one of my maybe scuba visions is I, I just think it'd be so cool to have basically like co-working space for your scuba gear. So, you know, have a big bench with all the stuff that you need and then storage. It's still a model I, I want to figure out somehow. As an entrepreneur, I'm always like, how do we how do we make this into something that's you know solves a problem out there? So I, I haven't figured it out, but maybe this is my my minimum viable product in my garage. It's just the location isn't great for people to have to drive all the way out here, but that that's okay. All right. So if you're out there, you're thinking about your own scuba journey and what do you need? I think from our journeys, one, there's a fact probably out there that it's going to evolve and it's kind of like one of those alligators. Remember back in school when you learned about you know, this alley, this one eats that one and this one eats that one like greater than and less than. Uh, scuba definitely becomes the alligator that eats <laughs> everything up um, as you evolve. If you if you fall in love with it like we have uh, in, in some ways. Educational but, on very many different levels here at the dive table. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Remember the greater than, less than. Um, or greater than or equal to if you put there, the line oh, underneath it. Remember? There you yeah. go. There you awesome. go. Bringing it back. But you don't need much. You, yeah. you could literally have the little briefcase toolbox uh, and, you know, some space on your dining room table or whatever. You don't have to build a whole workshop to be able to be successful in working on your gear. Uh, but uh, over time, as your gear grows <laughs> like it will and your need for the maintenance of that gear grows. And I think for me, the other thing that's grown alongside that is my desire to educate myself on the care and maintenance of my gear and be able to do that stuff by myself so that I can verify it was done right and you know I don't have to ship it out and wait for two months for my regs to come back. That was my latest like, okay, I'm done. I'm getting my, <laughs> my reg service technician certification. I'm going to learn what I need to. I'll buy whatever tools I need to do up front to be able to service regs because I waited – you know, two months, it was a month late and paid a ton of money to get these things, you know, these regulators serviced that I had basically received for free. And so I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I was frustrated with the service side of it. And went, you know, I could do this myself. I just haven't, you know, formally gone through the training. And so that's what kicked me over was like, okay, I'm going to do it myself. So as that desire grows, your gear needs grow which means your tool needs to grow and space needs to grow, but you don't need much if you're just getting started out there and, and start out. So, okay. So that's space. Now let's talk a little bit about essential tools. Now these might be surprising, right? The, you know, like everything in scuba, it seems like it's a specialist hobby. You need specialized tools all the time. But for me, I found that's not necessarily the case. There's only a couple of little tools that I got that are, you know, used on a, let's say weekly basis, um, that are not, that are scuba, you know, specific, everything else has been basic. So let's start with like, maybe, maybe the hardest question, which is if you only had five tools that you could have, <laughs> and I'm talking everything, if you could only have five things on your scuba bench, what would those five things be? So maybe we'll go, uh, you could go first and then I'll go after you. Ooh, um, I mean, there's some definitely basic. So five 
things. Uh, one thing that definitely comes to mind is some sort of good. Um, I mean, I know depending on where you are in the world, I, I like to call them a torch. I know some people, uh, a flashlight is a torch depending on, depending on where you are in the world. Um, but like a good <laughs> lighter, uh, a good lighter, um, is, is pretty essential. And I actually gravitated towards, we were just speaking on, on this pre-show. Um, I really enjoy those butane lighters that they have. They're a little bit more, you can direct the flame a little bit more. Um, the big, you know, classic lighters, uh, those work very well too. I mean, I always have one in my save a dive kit, uh, but the little butane lighters are just so handy. Um, not even on like a scuba level, but just a life level, <laughs> um, just to have like a good lighter when you need it. Um, but um, that would be the, I don't want to say the first one. I don't know if I would put one over the other on any of these tools, but a good lighter. Um, okay. And then, pause so, there for a second. Pause yeah. there for a second. So that's on my list. So agree. That's on my top five. So I literally brought my stuff in. So here's the little Bic lighter. If you're, if you're watching this on video, I've got <laughs> three of these in my little, you know, center console. Here's the Bucky's one. If you're from Texas, you'll know what that is. <laughs> and then I agree that, you know, a good butane yeah. light torch, you know, like you can, you can get a cigar torch. Those, those work. Uh, a cigar lighter are usually, you know, the, the butane I guess it's all butane, but these are more the, I don't know what you call them. Um, yeah. Like you said, directed flame. This one is actually a kitchen one that you can buy. You literally pull down and hit like it. And creme brulees. <laughs> creme brulee. It's like literally that's what it's made for is creme brulee and like, you know, that type of thing. But this is great. So agreed. Some, some, I like the, to use the more powerful lighter on like harness it needs higher heat and more directed heat versus the little Bic lighters work great on like cave line or bungee um, or, or that sort of thing. So agreed uh, number one, not number one, unless like you said, not ordered, but on my top five is definitely yeah. a, a lighter of some sort. Um, and another nice thing about the butane ones is granted lighters last in insanely long amount of time uh, but the butane ones usually you can refill so those are always kind of nice because uh, you're not just buying something using it and throwing it away i mean like i said they're 100 you're going to use a bic lighter probably they have over a thousand lights and it don't hold me to that but i'm sure they have quite a bit and those butane ones are quite nice uh if you're out at the dive site and it's a slightly windy day uh, because the, the big ones just, you know, unless you're, you got your, your team huddled around you, you know, to get that flame, it's nice to have that little butane one. Um, so another, another one for me, and I don't know if this would categorize as, you know, one, cause I, I do have, I would have many, um, is just a good set of, and, and I need, and I need to go into this a little bit, um, a good set of, uh, fitted, um, wrenches, uh, not adjustable wrenches, but fitted wrenches. Cause I, I generally don't like to use an adjustable wrench probably nine out of 10 times, but occasionally they are just a little bit nicer to use. Um, you know, cause one thing you don't want, so I don't know if you can categorize that as one tool. Cause I'd probably have like five or six different fitted wrenches, you know, different various sizes. Um, and the adjustable wrenches, 
Uh, you can get a good fit, but the last thing you want to do is just strip certain things, you know, start rounding the edges off. So that way, if you have to remove something in the future, it's much more of a pain or, you know, God forbid, you got to break out the vice grips or the vice locks and just lock it down there and then ruin it. And then at that point, that part's probably damaged. Um, but so this, this was my little thing I was talking about earlier. I I'm a stickler for good tools. I've, I want nice tools, you know, um, nothing wrong with Harbor Freight. I have a lot of tools from Harbor Freight, um, that I've used over the years, but if I have a tool that I'm, I'm using, I want like a good quality tool, uh, just in my professional work life. Um, oddly enough, I do like the cheaper wrenches, the cheaper fitted wrenches, um, uh, for scuba. And the reason why is, um, the, the really good wrenches that you buy, they're a lot thicker when you need to use them. And sometimes when you're getting into these weird little scuba spots, you need a thinner wrench. Like I had this one regulator, um, that when I had, uh, I believe it was a transmitter on there and it was just thin enough to where I couldn't fit most wrenches on there. And then I literally just had some cheap, you know, fitted wrenches in the garage. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna try these. And these were super thin. They're fitted. So they're not, you know, they're not stripping anything. And so now when I buy wrenches for scuba, I like to kind of buy the off brand, not super expensive ones. Cause usually they're a lot thinner. Um, and they just make my life a whole lot easier. Um, and oddly enough, you know, I'm sure, you know, bringing it back to Ikea, you know, when you, you get that little, uh, furniture kit and it comes with the little tiny tool kit that inside, usually it's like this little thin sheet metal of a wrench. Um, I've used some of those and they worked out phenomenal. And what I really love about those is, uh, they're travel friendly. Um, cause I'm not one, you know, like you can buy those and, and, and I'm not saying anything wrong for anybody that has this, but you know how they have, you know, those little tool, like Swiss army knife kits where there's like eight tools in one. Um, yeah. I just have not had good luck with those. So I generally just stay away from them. Um, me personally, some people love them. Some people have no issues with them. If that's your cup of tea, I'm not knocking it. Uh, but for me, it's just nice. Cause I'm, I'm on that traveling note where I'm like, okay, like even here, I'm like, okay, what tools can I fit? in uh, a mask container because that's what I can carry with me. I'm not going to carry a whole toolbox on the plane, um, you know, just because it's it's not feasible. But what can I fit that goes in my bag? And those those are nice sometimes just because um, they, they fit perfectly and you can do what you need to do with them. Um, so either way, let me go back. Um, I'm, I'm rambling on right now. Uh, but just a good, you know, very various sizes of wrenches, I think was pretty key for me just because of, um, if you ever need to remove a hose or, um, me, whenever I travel, I don't travel with my transmitters on. I generally will remove them for travel and then put them back on. Um, so other times, you know, so I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily one, um, it's one group of tools. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. If you, if you put a piece of like painter tape around them all, then I guess you could count them as one. (laughs) I'll put them no, on a keychain. Like, yeah, so so we'll pause there again because that's on my list. So I like your point about the fitted versus adjustable because I have a couple of adjustables that are in my quote-unquote save-a-dive kit. But when I'm in the shop, I use the fitted. And and so that's a it's a good 
That's good. And I agree with you. If you're, especially with transmitters, you need a flat, you know, very thin wrench. And I actually got a, a bicycle kit set that sits in my shop that's for, it's extremely thin. It's like, <clears throat> you know, two or three pieces of paper thin um, that I can use for those transmitters and other areas that you need to get into. But yeah, in terms of five tools, for me, I have two small adjustable wrenches. Because for me, it's kind of like a universal out of the dive site type thing. You know, I can use one tool for multiple things, but I love, I love, you're making me, you're helping me rethink that a little bit. If you just had a few of making sure you, you had the right sizes for the hoses that you're taking or things you're going to work on, then you could replace those adjustables. But wrenches, let's just call those a one tool, a wrench. Whether you use adjustable, which Nick's point, you can round off the edges if you're not careful. You can do some damage with those things if you're if you're not focused. Uh, I try to always be super careful with with using those. But whether you use fitted or adjustable wrench is is a key key tool. So we're so far, I'm surprised we're in a complete alignment yeah. on the first two ones here. Um, uh, those are both on my list. And, you know, not to keep going on about the wrenches. I mean, I, I, I can go on for days about tools. It's literally in my professional life. That's what I do is just use tools on and on and on. Um, so I, I do, even in my save a dive kit, I had one. I would, I will, I do have an adjustable wrench in there for times you just need them. It's just basic facts. But from what I've found is there's some very common sizes in scuba so if you have those like three fitted wrenches, they can work across, you know, many, many different uh, parts. But occasionally there is that offsize part, you know, it's kind of like the, the, uh, I'll call <laughs> and, 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 you know, I'll call it the, the, the apple of the scuba world where it's like, oh, you need our special tools for this special thing. You know, the, the, the Apple computers, like you can only use apple things with apple and anything else it's just you'll never be able to use um but uh so yeah let me go on from move on from wrenches huh what's another another good thing to have um so uh oddly enough i and and we're talking save a dive or are we talking we're talking scuba shop? no no we're, shop save a dive I think is a whole nother episode because okay. that's a different application. More like if I had five tools in my little scuba workshop at home or in your, your dedicated bedroom to your scuba gear, your, your mistress department, what would those tools be? Okay. So this, I don't know necessarily if this is a tool, but it's something that has helped me greatly. And this might have, has just been in the last few years um, you know, certain, certain things come with old age. Um, but what was really, and I'm not old by any means. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be 40 next year. So, you know, I'm still, I'm still, uh, you know, so I apologize any listeners out there that took that the wrong way. Um, but something that has helped me along the way in, in a shop that I greatly enjoyed is, uh, they have these, um, it's basically a light, and then it's almost like a ring light with a magnifying glass in between the the light. 
So that way, like depending on what you're working on, you know, if you don't have great lighting, it's always nice to have good lighting on many different terms. Um, you know, if whether you're recording a podcast or you're, you know, uh, doing whatever, it's just proper lighting is so key because you don't want to be sitting there in the dark trying to figure things out. Um, but just to have like that, that little light with the magnifying glass, just to make things just a little bit bigger, I've found, um, has made my life easier on certain aspects. Or if I just need to, okay, there's something wrong here. I can't quite see what it is. Oh, okay. I can see what's going on there now. Um, and you know, that, that might not be a problem for somebody in their early twenties. And and I'm not saying it's a problem for everybody, but, uh, it's, it's something that has helped me many times where I kind of found myself gravitating towards it just cause it's like, Oh, there's light. Cool. Need good light. Oh, wow. That just magnified everything and made it a little bit bigger. I, I found that to be quite nice. Nice. That, that is not on my list. So we, we <laughs> diverged finally, although it's a good consideration. I have not. I haven't run into that issue yet. I, I mean, good lighting, I agree. Best lighting is sunlight if you can get it. But yeah, I haven't I haven't run into the issue where I go, man, if I just had a little more light, you know, or or whatever it would be. Now, granted, a lot of what I do is I pop the garage open and all the light comes flooding in and I have plenty of light in that space. But I did buy, they haven't shown up yet, I bought some hanging shop lights, literally some industrial shop lights that I'm going to install over the table so that I've got good lighting everywhere when I'm in there when you know it's it's way too hot to open up the, the garage and I need to cool the place or it's nighttime, which I find myself in there. You know, after you put the kids to bed, I sneak myself into the workshop and finish a little whatever I was working on, right? So that's interesting. A light is not on my list. Get a um, nice warm colored light. Don't get that bright white. You'll hate your light. It's like being to me in like the classroom in school, just yeah. that bright white fluorescent light. Get that nice like warm tone. It, it just real like lighting can make your the mood so much better. And we're still talking yeah, about you gotta, scuba. You got to so. be in a you're talking about <laughs> Yeah, your your scuba <laughs> mistress's room is uh is lit just the right way, huh? <laughs> but yeah, sunlight. Well, yeah, because sunlight. There's different. There's different tones of light, you know. And uh, um, sunlight is absolutely the the greatest type of light. But that that just white fluorescent light. That just it just hurts my eyes. You know, I just don't like to. It's like walking in a. I have some some funny stories, but well, that's non scuba related. But yeah, I'm not a big. It's got to be a good light. And lighting is key. Agreed. So okay, you three on your number three on your list was light. I'll do number three on my list so that we can keep, we can kind of keep the episode rolling. So number three on my list must have top five tools that are on my workbench is a good set of shears or, or scissors as you might kill it. So I use these, you're watching it on video. You can see them. They're, they're uh, fabric shears. I think they're like $20. You can get a good pair of shears. But um, you could also use a set of like just normal scissors like these. These will work too. Um, but I like these fabric shears because they're really big and hefty and and sharp. And, you know, you're going to cut – for me, I'm going to cut, you know, cave line and bungee and harness and la, 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 la and resize things. So you're constantly reaching for a pair of scissors whenever you're – you know, I think the scissors and the lighter – 
go together, you know, hand in hand. Those are the two <laughs> things I'm constantly reaching for, it seems like. And so for me, I finally went and invested, which meant $20, right? It wasn't a crazy investment, but in a really good pair of shears. And that's been awesome. So, you know, great investment on my end. $20 has saved me lots of, uh, you know, headache with trying to cut through something. But you got to have a way to cut things. And sometimes if you're out on, again, we're not talking about save a dive, but but the little Z knives that you use or that I have um, on my kits, or I think the the, the tribo lights, or I think they call them um, cutters. Those work great as well because they're just a razor blade, right? Basically in a, in a sheath. So if you don't use shears, you could definitely use like a razor blade. That works great as well. But a good tool for cutting that can cut cave line, you know, 24 pound cave line all the way to cutting through, you know, a piece of harness um, or, or something a little bit, you know, like for example, cutting through, you know, gas tubing. If you're, if you're rigging up a side mount bottle and you need to cover the, the sharp ends of, of the actual ring that goes around the, the tank, you know, piece of gas tubing is a thicker piece of rubber to get through. So I always have a good set of shears and, and that's number three on my list is, is have some good cutting device. No, that's, that's key. Um, I would, yeah, I, I probably would add that to my list too. Uh, I just have little surgical shears. Um, I found that those have worked really great for me. They'll cut through quite a bit of stuff. And then um, that that's just a, a, a life thing for me in general too. Um, just a good, you know, and, and this would go along with shears is a good knife, um, is to have like a good knife to cut something, uh, you know, just in life, it comes in handy so many different times, whether it be, you know, yeah, a little razor blade or a good pair of shears. Um, no, I, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Uh, a good pair of shears is always key to have. Um, there's nothing more annoying than when you need to cut something and you don't have anything to, to cut with it. Um, so for me, um, number four, I guess I would move on to, cause I do include, I would include shears in there, but I'll just, you know, throw some other, some other things that have come in handy for me quite a few times. Um, I'd like to think of them as almost like an extra set of hands, um, but like a good, some sort of good vice. And I'm not talking about like a big machining vice. Um, you can use those and there's nothing wrong with using those. Uh, but just like a nice little vice in case, you, you know, you just need to pop something down. But um, there, is, there are a few caveats to that. You know, not just, you know, you don't want a vice with big metal grips on there just digging into your whatever type of gear or whatever you're trying to work on. Um, generally, I'll have like plastic fittings over the metal part. So that way, when I grip on something, I'll even put like a cloth in there just to kind of soften it up a little bit. Um, but sometimes, you know, like say you're working on a valve, um, you know, it's just kind of hard, you know, you're, you're trying to grab one in and, and, you know, unscrew something and you kind of have this like weird little dance going on with the valve where if, you know, you just get some, like a nice little vice to put it in and in the workshop, uh, that we, that I was working in, uh, CTX hyperbaric solutions, um, we actually had th a little thing that you could screw the valve into that was held on by the vice. And then when you needed to work on it, it was just super easy. But 
um, just some sort of extra pair of hands, like quick grips, uh, you know, um, quick, I think they're like Irwin makes little quick grips and they're plastic. I think they're made, uh, made for woodworking. So they're not going to dig in. They're not going to hurt anything. Uh, but just like a decent vice on a workbench. Um, I've, I have found that just, um, it's just always nice depending, you know, if you have, you know, you're working in there with a team, that's one thing. But if you're like most of us and it's the nighttime and you're in there by yourself, just tinkering around, um, just to kind of have some sort of extra set of hands. And, and I usually uh, associate that with just some sort of vice, not a big vice too. You don't want this, you know, just a nice little table vice, not something that, you know, you're going to pop your regulator in, in there and just squeeze it, you know, half the size because um, it's just overkill. But some, some sort of vice is always huge for me. Yeah, I have a vice on my bench. It would not be in my top five, but it, it would be in my my nice to haves. But I definitely have one, and and have found lots of use cases for my vice. And like you said, it's not a big one. It's a little tabletop. You know, put it in the corner of your workshop or on your workbench. Make sure it can rotate. You know, around the corner well when you install it. But yeah, it's another set of hands. It's also really nice to have when. For me, at least, if you're doing some detail work, when you really want to kind of see all angles of things without something laying on, like a valve is a good example. If you want to see all angles of the threads, well, you can rotate it, but it's always laying on the on the table in some ways, right? So put the thread on, put it on a vise, something like that. Being able to see things is is a really nice addition as well. So I, I like that. I like that call. I wouldn't put that in my top five, but I certainly would would put it in the the next tier of nice to haves, because like you said, most of the time when you're working on gear, you're by yourself and you need that extra set of hands. Although I would love to have a vice that could twist a long hose when you're installing those. <laughs> That's where another human being comes in handy. A heck of a lot is like it, it, when you're installing your long hose on a, on a rag or you're taking it off, twisting that seven feet of hose off or on, you know, it's so nice when you have somebody else there. Like I, I've taught my kids how to do it. So I'll just call my kids in the garage and be like, hey, can you just hold this and twist when I tell you to twist? And they'll do it because doing it by yourself is, you know, gets all tangled up and, you know, you don't want to bang your regulator on the ground or wherever it is just because you're trying to take it off. So, so uh, a um, little, little, um, uh, uh, something that, that I've seen, which was like nice is, uh, if you have like a little swivel and then you can hang it on something like where it holds it and then you can stretch it out. And then when you twist, it moves with you just like a little swivel, ah, you know, smart, it's kind of a, it's a, something I've seen. Yeah. And it's just something, no, believe me. Cause I mean, we've all been there where it's like, okay, an extra set of hands would be nice. There's nobody else here. How am I going to make this work? Um, and, and yeah, you know, the swivels exactly what I'm talking about, but just something that can swivel around and then you can just clip it on there and, Something that moves around freely and easily, not, you know, something that you got to physically move, but you could just grab and then like spin it around something that'll just move super easy. Uh, yeah, yeah totally. no, I'm a huge, huge, just cause I've yeah been so many random things where I'm like out in the middle of the lake by myself. Like, okay, how am I going to make this work? Okay. We got to figure something out. It's like, yeah, okay, exactly. like, not that I've had to do that out in the middle of the lake, but you never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. All right. Well then, so number four on your list was a vice. Number four on my list might seem like a well duh, but um, it's it's been an important tool. So number four on my list is Sharpie. 
Oh, huge. <laughs> uh, so important. So I use two different – I found this Sharpie. I'll hold it up so that those that are watching this can see. Um, it is uh, a metallic silver. Sharpie, metallic silver. If you're if you're listening to this on, on podcast and you can't see the video here. This metallic silver Sharpie is awesome because it, it shows up on black, harness, black, whatever, right? You can mark this thing with it. So if you're trying to figure out, you know, just the right placement of that D-ring or where to cut off, you know, the, the excess in your belt harness or your weight belt or whatever it is, you're trying to mark something uh, and look at it. this metallic silver Sharpie has worked amazing on all sorts of applications. I've tried white out. I've tried all kinds of things. And this has been the best for marking things in terms of scuba. And then obviously you should get yourself just a fine point Sharpie or a box. Of them. I think they're five bucks or 10 bucks, something like that. But I, I reach for these Sharpies so often when I'm just trying to mark a measurement down or mark something on a hose or whatever it might be um, to cut something. Sharpies for me are are so useful in lots and lots and lots of different ways. And on top of that, as my own little soapbox for two seconds is you should always analyze all your your gas. <laughs> so wherever you get it from, you know, invest in a little analyzer if you can. If not, the shop that you pick up your tanks from will have an analyzer and you should analyze it. But there's another use case for your Sharpie is writing down that analysis of the gas to make sure you know what you're breathing. So, you know, uh, not only are Sharpies great for the workshop, but they're great for life-saving tools because they remind you to analyze your gas uh, every every single time, never skip that step. So Sharpie is number four on my list. And like I said, I've tried different things to show up on black because obviously a black Sharpie is not going to show up on a black piece of webbing. So that metallic silver Sharpie has been brilliant for me in lots of different ways and marking your stuff. And sometimes too, it's useful, you know, if you are in, you know, quite often into dive travel and your, your gear is kind of sitting in a dive shop somewhere or hanging from somewhere or, or on a dive boat, you know, I find writing your initials or your name or marking your, your regs and your stuff in some way to be an important step. So Things can't get mixed up between the divers that are on that boat or at that shop. And so, again, just a, a Sharpie is a really fast way. Or you can get some dive table stickers. That's what we use. We stick dive table stickers on a, on my uh, back plate and um, and on my gear as much as I can. So I know, hey, that's mine, right? Uh, hopefully, this podcast just grows so much where we see them everywhere. And no longer will we be able to use that as an identifying mark, right? Like. Like everybody has a dive table sticker on their back plate. So now <laughs> that's not mine. I don't know who's this, who's not. Just kidding. But uh, maybe someday we can dream, right? But yeah, I find Sharpie to be a really useful tool in lots of different ways. No, I agree. There's always, it's always good to have some sort of writing tool. Um, and, and even with that, like I would always use, uh, I think you were talking a little bit about it earlier, uh, like just blue painter's tape around the shop. Just so if I need to mark something really quick or, uh, label something. It's always super nice. Uh, uh, a writing device is always super, super key just because um, I have a horrible memory. So it's just nice when I'm taking things apart, like, oh, okay, uh, let me label this or label that, you know, just kind of, you know, A to B, B to C, C to D, just, you know, have a little 
you know, your own method for your madness of putting things back together. Um, so number five, I don't know. Cause I, I could just, you know, it's like, I keep thinking and I'm like, Oh, what would be nice to have in a shop? I don't know if it would be in top five. Um, you know, I know you brought, like, I, I think it would probably, I don't know if I could have just a top five. I feel like it, there's so many different random things that I, I'm thinking that I need. Um, cause you, you popped one out a little bit earlier. You were showing me an Allen wrench and those are key, literally Allen keys. Um, but those are really <laughs> nice to have, um, for various different reasons. Uh, I don't know if that's more of, you know, the, the once or twice a week use, um, or, you know, but I just, I, I definitely found using Allen wrenches quite often in, in a shop. Um, but I guess if I was going to have like on my last, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a combination kind of, I just mentioned, um, but just like a little, uh, a little, you know, uh, some sort of writing device and then a journal just to keep track of things, um, is huge for me just because for me, it helps me along the way just to kind of, um, you know, stay organized, you know, whatever I'm doing, just, okay. Um, this is what I'm working on. You know, these are the components. These are what I need to do. Um, just in case if I need to step away, I can come back. You know, if I have 15 different things going on in life, like most of us usually do, um, I can come back and be like, okay, here's, here's my, um, organization step, you know, just, uh, you know, that's a, I, I use that as a tool, just being organized. So just having some sort of journal, not journal, but just, uh, you know, pen and paper, um, just to stay organized for me, it's, it's gone. Um, and, and some people might have just that wonderful memory where they can step away for two hours, come back and jump right back in. Sometimes, you know, I step away for two hours, my mind might be eight hours away. So I need to come back and figure things out. So, uh, just a pen and paper. Um, I, I know it sounds kind of dumb, but it's the simplest things are always the best things sometimes. And just a little pen and paper um, goes such a long way that I've found in shops just because if, especially if you're multitasking, um, just like, oh, I need to jump here, jump there. Let me, you know, write things down just, just to stay a little bit more organized. So um, top five must-haves uh, that probably would be number one is organization, uh, you know, whatever your method of organizing is, is probably like the best tool set for me to have. Um, like I said, that that's just something that has worked for me. But um, uh, what 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 would be your number five? Man, your pen and paper is making a good argument here. Uh, I, I agree. I think I have a whole service log that I keep online just using a spreadsheet. And that's a really important thing to track year over year. But I agree, I have a big legal pad on my bench right now that just has lists and things that, that as I'm going, I can kind of mark off or, or write a note to myself, a reminder of where I was in the project. So that that's a really essential tool. Although, you know, uh, man, that's tough. So the fifth one, I had a hard time. I, I was having uh, a debate in my head between an Allen set Allen key or, or hex wrench or whatever you want to call those things. Um, but between that and a pair of needle nose pliers, because I'll tell you how many times needle nose pliers have been either a lifesaver or the thing I needed that I didn't have, you know what I mean? like that I, that I wish I had in that moment. Um, but I went back to Allen, the Allen key or the Allen wrench or the hex wrench 
as my number five when I was writing my list down because that is a key tool for a lot of different things. So one is obviously being able to take out port plugs on your regs. And I find myself, you know, I, I'm not super rich. So I don't have like 20 sets of regs for myself. So I found myself, you know, switching between regulators depending on my configuration. So if I was diving side mount, I had to change a bunch of hoses out, right? And so I had to take port plugs out and in back and forth. Or if I was going from doubles to singles, the same thing, right? So I find myself a lot of times with an Allen wrench. And I also find that that Allen key having different versions of it. So they have some like S-shaped ones and they have some just straight, you know, L or J-shaped ones. And then they have some straight ones with a with a handle, a T-handle on the end of them. Um, I have different versions of them. You know, the, the basic one, you know, that's a J-shaped or L-shaped, depending on how you hold it, is completely fine. Uh, the other ones are kind of nice to have. If you've got the T and things like that, those are those are cool. But these are used for that. They're, you know, you can put in the, the dipstick on a valve on the bottom of that. That's an actual Allen key. Um, there's a ton of things that end up being just an Allen wrench that you need for a certain size. So having a good set of those, a basic one, you can get the all-in-one kind of Swiss Army Allen. It's not Swiss Army. It's all Allen wrenches, but they're different sizes uh, for for six bucks or something like that at Home Depot. Um, but yeah, I was really debating between that and needle nose. And I was like, okay, well, you know, if you've got the right wrench, then you probably won't need the needle nose as much, or maybe you could get by or, or a friend, you know, could help, help you with the needle nose, but there's nothing you can do if you don't have that Allen wrench, right? (laughs) You can't get the port plug out. I mean, without stripping it, I guess you could stick a pair of needle nose in there and try, but it's probably not going to end up nice. Right. So I went with the Allen wrench for me, my top five were definitely, you know, fire or some sort of, you know, torch, we called them or, or whatever you want to call them, a Bic lighter, a cutting device for sure. You know, the, um, making sure that you have a good set of, of a way to cut things. What was number three on my list? Now I'm forgetting it because we went, we had such a close knit list. I think that's where we diverged <laughs> was three was your light. And I know I had Sharpie on my list, Alan Wrench on my list. And now I'm completely drawing a blank on the other thing that I had on my list, but that's okay. <laughs> I'll come back to him in a second. I have to find it. I, it's buried now than in all the things that I have here. So yeah, that's, that's mine. So Alan, Alan was the last one on mine. Yeah. And I mean, it's, Obviously, we're talking, you know, a shop here. Um, so it is it is nice to, to have various different tools. Like you might find, uh, you know, I've found myself in Walmart or um, Home Depot and I've literally looked at a tool and it might not have be the tool that is designed for this job. But I looked at it and I'm like, that would work great for this particular thing that I need to do. Um, and it's, it's one of those funny things like, you know, um, I, I had, I, I, I still have, they're in a storage unit in Texas. Um, but I, like I said, I'm a huge, huge stickler for tools. I'm all about having the right tool to do the right job. And sometimes you'll buy a tool and you'll use it once a year, but 
having that tool when you need it that one time a year is so huge. And then you don't go to, you don't have to go out and buy it or whatnot. Um, but yeah, cause there's, there's literally, I, I could just kind of, my, my, my brain is just rolling like, Oh, okay. What are all these other different tools that I could use? I could, you know, uh, have or whatnot. And, um, there's just certain thing, you know, certain things like even, even, uh, a good pair of pliers, not necessarily needle nose, but just a good pair of pliers comes in handy sometimes. Um, and you know, just various things that I've seen in people's garages that I'm like, man, I never thought of that, but that is such an extremely good idea. I need to incorporate that. Um, so I, uh, I don't like, so I'm trying to think of my list. I know some of them, we had the same, the, the lighter of some sort. I was more of a butane person. Uh, scissors is pretty key. A just nice set of fitted wrenches. Um, uh, but I, I would, uh, have to say that a, um, it, now that I'm thinking at top of the list for me would probably like the number one thing I need to have just cause I'm an idiot sometimes is pen and paper. <laughs> Um, and I think that's like a huge, huge key thing. Um, just because I'm, I'm just so many times I've been lost. And if I just have that extra couple minutes of writing things down, it, um, just organizing, you know, stay organized up here then I can stay organized out there. Right. (laughs) Stay organized in your brain. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, this has been good. I mean, I think we, (laughs) we had planned to talk about maybe the nice to haves or what's the second tier of tools that are in there. And there's a bunch of other things that tips and tricks that we use, I use in my shop, but uh, for sake of time, I think it's probably a good idea. Maybe we come back. Let's see how this episode goes. If people like it, they want to hear more about our shop and and the the tools that we use and things like that. Then great. Um, If not, then (laughs) it's be a fun discussion between the two of us. But um, but let's pause maybe for sake of time for this episode, and we'll come back to it if we need to come back to it, which would be good. Does that that sound good? That sounds wonderful. All right. So uh, my top five. I remembered that number three was was wrenches. What we agreed on. So real quick recap today. We talked uh, a lot about the basic, essential top five scuba tools that you have that Nick and I have in our little scuba corners or what did you call it? The scuba cave scuba cave cave is, you know, the top five things that we go like, this has to be there. If it's not there, then we're in trouble. And I can get most things done if I have these five things. So for me, my top five were, and we were agreed on this, were uh, a torch of some sort or lighter. Number two, cutting device of some sort. So I, I like the, sh- the shears, the, the, um, you know, clothing shears, or I forget what they call linen shears. Uh, number three, a set of wrenches, whether they're adjustable or fitted, fitted preferred. Number four, some Sharpies for me, <laughs> like having a Sharpie. And I use that metallic, uh, silver Sharpie for anything that's black. Number five on my list was Allen wrenches, uh, a set of Allen wrenches or the, the one all Swiss army Allen wrenches, whatever it is. You want to recap your top five real quick and then we can, uh, we'll wrap this baby up. Yeah, no, uh, lighter, some sort of burning device. Uh, we agreed on fitted wrenches. I know we agreed on, um, I said a vice was pretty key. Just some sort of extra set of hands is always nice. Uh, something that I always used, uh, or I found myself gravitating towards a lot was, 
the little magnifying glass with the nice bright light right there, just so you can kind of, you know, light your station up and see just things a little bit bigger sometimes. And then uh, pen and paper is, was the, the big thing for me. Is that awesome. Five? So is that five? there's yeah, our list. Five. Yeah, it's five. You got, yeah. Which, which all together I think is like eight things. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were the same on, on most of them, uh, a few divergences, but, but that's good. Well, good. We want to hear about your scuba cave or your scuba workbench uh, where you work on your gear. What are those key things that you have that, that are tools that you use on a weekly or daily basis? So reach out to us, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to, to hear your journey. Uh, we love hearing those. So we've got some, some new voicemails coming in on the website, which is pretty cool. So you can connect with us at thedivetable.com. And there are a lot of things you can do there. Join one of the dive clubs. You can subscribe to the mailing list. You can leave us a voicemail, which I think that's my favorite thing is getting the voicemails. That was so cool to hear. Um, some new voicemails come in and, and folks, you know, we actually what was that? Your voice. You hear our a voice. shout out here. What was, uh, what was uh, his name again? Do you remember? Yeah, we should do a little shout out. I mean, we, you know, we, we had a new voicemail come in uh, from Jeff Hartz. Jeff Hartz, Thank you shout very out much, to Jeff. you. Thank you. Uh, in Fredericksburg, Texas, I believe. So loved getting your voicemail, loved hearing your ideas for new episodes. We're definitely going to take those into account. Um, and yeah, maybe, maybe we got to figure out how to, you know, we'll talk to Daniel about this, how to play those. That would be so cool. People left us a voicemail, we played it, and then we responded to that. That would be cool. So, And we'll get into that sometime. But yeah, thedivetable.com. And make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you get ep- you know notified when new episodes drop. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed the show. Nick, any other thoughts? Any parting thoughts here? I'm going to definitely post up. Daniel's been yelling at me, so I need to do it. I need to post up some dive logs. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks out there in the Scubaverse for joining us today. And we look forward to having you back on the next episode of The Dive Table. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.